Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Kickstarter journey. Today we have Liberty Kiefer, and she's with us with a game that she went on a journey with called Cristallo. Hello, Liberty. Hi. It's great to How be here. Oh, <laughs> glad to have you. Um, you had one of one of the more interesting games in the last year and uh, a lot of cool things that we can talk about it with it. But just to describe it briefly, uh, from what I've read and seen, Cristallo is an award-winning solitaire card game. It's a challenging puzzle, an adventure, and a work of art. Um, so this was a fantasy puzzle card game that was on Kickstarter last year. And um, you had a funding goal of just $4,200. So um, nothing too presumptuous. You, you had a decent goal. But you actually blew it away with funding $42,000 uh, across 10 countries. And uh, you actually reached your funding goal in about five hours. So it'll be nice to talk to you about how that erupted and um, kind of what took place from there. So first off, I guess uh, one thing I always like to talk about the guests about is what made you find Kickstarter and decide that that was how you wanted to make your game? Um, so, yeah, I was actually working on um, a different game. Um, at the time when I started looking into Kickstarter, um, it was a family game that I, I kind of made with my kids. Um, and we were having a lot of fun with it. And we, we thought uh, maybe we would try to get it made. And it seemed like Kickstarter was kind of um, the way to go as far as just getting some funds to have, you know, a small print run made. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, I was definitely not at that point thinking like, I want to do this for a living. <laughs> it was just a little project that I thought would be cool to do together and, you know, that we could learn from it because my kids are homeschooled. Um, yeah. So I was kind of looking at it like that. And then uh, it was, uh, I was spending a lot of time on Board Game Geek and saw the um, solo print and play contests on there. And that was how I ended up making uh, Cristallo. It was just sort of on a lark. And uh, yeah, it, it's obviously done way more than I ever expected. <laughs> yeah, and to, to be able to come out of something just creative you were doing with the, the kids is pretty cool. I mean, back in my early game design days, I made games just for my kids to play, and we'd play a pretend game I made of Ninja Turtles or a pretend game I made about um, Smurfs, for example, just because those games didn't exist. And right, that's awesome. It's funny, or convert into something realistic down the road. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a huge surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and how does your family feel about that surprise, about you, you turning that into a passion that is suddenly uh, many, many more people are aware of? Um, I think I've gotten a lot of cool mom cred from my kids. Uh, they definitely think that me doing game design is pretty awesome. Um, although I've been to uh, I've been on trips um, like every month for the last little while. Yeah, uh, I did Shucks, and then I went to PAX Unplugged, and I'm going to PAX South actually tomorrow. Um, so they were, you know, I've homeschooled, and I've been home like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and so for them, it's like, oh, you're always gone now. <laughs> uh, so that's been an adjustment, but I think so far everybody's pretty cool with it. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. You have a life outside of home too, right? So. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of exciting. <laughs> When it comes to your Kickstarter goal, I mean, uh, hitting that in five hours was fantastic. But what made you originally come up with a goal of $4,000? Would that have just broken even or would you have made a couple hundred dollars off of that? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I had a little bit of help in um, coming up with my goal. Um, I si uh, signed a co-publishing agreement with Safety Games uh, about a month before my Kickstarter launch. So yeah. I was kind of at that point of 
I had a, I had a rough idea of where my goal needed to be, but um, it was helpful to be able to run it by them. And you know, they had they've run like nine campaigns, I think. So, um, okay. I was able to kind of get an a better idea of of manufacturing and fulfillment costs and stuff from them. And um, I actually did 4,200 because I'm a big Douglas Adams fan. <laughs> <laughs> Some secret numbers there. And that's a uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. 42. I, I read that book probably about 15 years ago and I remember almost nothing about it other than it was just the most bizarre book I'd ever read. In my life. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, you definitely have to have an appreciation for like absurd humor. Yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, so Zafty Games, uh, and do they just take a portion of your funds or do you have to give them a flat fee or how did that work out? You don't have to go into exact numbers, but just kind of how that works. Uh, so for the co-publishing agreement, since I was already ready, uh, prepared to run the Kickstarter myself and I had done all the preliminary work on that, um, I ran the Kickstarter myself and uh, and they don't take a chunk of that. But um, as far as like they... Um, handle the manufacturing and then I pay for my portion, but they did a larger print run, um, which okay. was helpful because it brought the cost down per unit. Um, yeah. The yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So that worked out nicely. Um, but it was really just awesome to have that experience because I know that um, like the couple months leading up to the Kickstarter, I was having real anxiety about, you know, all the logistics and like international shipping and fat taxes and all that stuff. Um, I was trying yeah. to learn it all, but I was definitely very, very thankful for, you know, someone to step in and, and help me with that. Um, and of course they're going to be handling the retail side of it, which is really awesome as well. <laughs> yeah. That's coming up anytime now, right? I think you've got final shipping to your backers already, or is that's coming right away? Yeah. Shipping is happening now. Um, and I think I just saw a Kickstarter comment yesterday or this morning uh, saying that the first backers are receiving them. So that's really exciting. And um, I think retail release is going to be in a couple of months. So, yeah, I can't wait. Yes, indeed. And um, one of the things you had kind of going for with for your game when you launched was you had entered a board game geek design challenge for a solo game and you were actually a winner in a few categories. So how much do you think that helped with the startup of your campaign and just being able to market across like Facebook or whatnot in general? I definitely think that was uh, hugely helpful just because, um, well, partly because I had um, a number of people had tested it um, as part of the contest. So I had a lot of playtesting feedback Um and also just having that sort of uh, legitimacy behind me uh, was really helpful, I think, because as a first time designer, like I, I was nobody. I didn't know anyone. And yeah. uh, being able to put those awards on there was definitely um, helped it get noticed, I think. Great. And so once you had your project on Kickstarter and you funded in five hours, uh, there's always a preset expectation to try to make the product better. And generally that's through stretch goals. Now your project, if I just have a quick peek here, you had five stretch goals unlocked out of a total of six. And mm -hmm. so when those were, was that something that was done kind of by Zafty or is that something you had kind of predetermined before you went to them about what you wanted to add to the game, but needed a certain amount of money to get to? Um. So it was a combination of the two. I had a couple things in mind, um, and then we also just got, like, they had more experience with it, obviously, so they had some ideas. Um, but, yeah, so, some of the things I had um, were things that I wanted, and 
and actually it was helpful talking to them because I was like, well, can I do this? Like, is this possible? Um, and so that was really cool. The one, the one that we didn't hit, I think we got close, but we didn't quite hit was the, uh, for the app, but we're definitely still considering that uh, in the future because I think it would be really cool for people to be able to play it as an app. Um, so yeah, stay tuned on that one. (laughs) Yeah. And apps can be a bit tricky. uh, And I know you originally based your game off of an app that you enjoy, uh, at least the core concept of it. Is that right? Uh, well, not so much based off of any specific app, but I play a lot of um, puzzly type apps on the phone. Um, and so that was definitely part of the inspiration in terms of like the aesthetic. I wanted it to be um, very, what's the word? I don't know, have that really like <laughs> gemmy quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely... I think I've had a lot of people mention that um, during demos and stuff that it has that that satisfying puzzle feeling to it. Yeah, and just the colors really pop. I mean, you did uh, all the art for this game on your own. I believe you you have a history in photography, but you obviously have a knack for artistry as well. So um, did that save you on cost and just your real oh, cost yeah. for that this time? <laughs> yeah, actually, I um, I didn't realize how much of a an investment that is until I started doing you know research about um, getting ready to take a game to Kickstarter and stuff um, obviously like I kind of came at it from the art side um, I've always done art growing up and and so um, I was just kind of learning Illustrator uh, for the first time and I had gotten like a Wacom tablet and and I think that's why I ended up like I think I'd had game ideas in the past but I was kind of at that point where I was like oh I could actually like, design cards and um, so it just kind of worked out timing wise to where I was ready to try doing some illustration on on the computer and um, yeah. but yeah I definitely was like still learning <laughs> the tools so, as so I was, was uh, getting it done. 100% of this done on Illustrator then is that where it was all originated or did you use other ap- applications uh so I I did like the vector artwork in Illustrator and then I actually this is so weird everybody's gonna laugh about this but I actually did like the finishing work um in Lightroom which is it's a photo editing app uh, it's Adobe's photo editing app um okay and that's kind of where it gets its like glow from uh, because it, it basically Lightroom is like you can add all these light effects. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of your... an odd mix. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very familiar to work. with that because that's what I've used for photography. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And the, the contrast of your creatures and their light really does play off against the darkness of the cards with just a gem. So um, you struck gold with that one. Well, thank you. Right. Um, now, let me just have a look here. So when it came to uh, stretch goals, you had develop a bag, you had a UV finish, you had a couple other things in there. What would you say is the thing you learned the most about stretch goals with this being your first campaign? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the bag was really, <laughs> it was kind of challenging um, because at first, you know, when we were talking to the manufacturer, they were saying, oh, we can't, we can't embroider on this kind of material. And I was like, ah. <laughs> kind of freaking out about it because I'm like, oh, here's I promised this thing, which I figured we could totally do. Um, yeah. And then, so like the first version of the bag that we got um, also was like totally not what we were trying to communicate to them. So our first proof was like no good, which right. super stressed me out. But I guess that's normal part of the process. Um, and so we had to, you know, 
go start over from the beginning and really communicate every little detail of what we wanted. And, uh, and, but in the end we were able to work it all out and find a, a material that they were able to embroider and uh, that I was happy with. And so, yeah, it all worked out, but that was definitely <laughs> like the biggest challenge of everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good to know. And just uh, some, sometimes uh, the greatest ideas we have turn out to be the most expensive part that we didn't expect. And I've had that come up in the past too. So um, yeah. you're not alone there. All right. So there's tons of different methods of advertising and marketing from free to paid, whether you do it yourself or do it professionally. And I know um, one of the things that uh, I've seen on, I think, Board Game Design Lab that you mentioned or another group was that uh, you kept your costs low because you didn't do a lot of paid advertising. So what would you say was your two or three best ways that you got attention to your product or drove people to your Kickstarter page? Yeah. So I actually didn't do any paid advertising. Um, uh, mainly just I, I didn't know enough about uh, any of it to know if it would be worthwhile. So I just didn't, <laughs> didn't do that. Um, so what I invested in was just getting a lot of prototypes made and thankfully my game, uh, it's not one of those big heavy games. So getting prototypes made, um, was not exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. So I think I had like 25 copies made and, um, I s- did spend a lot of time, um, you know, sourcing, like looking for good reviewers, um, I was really lucky in that when I posted pictures of the game, um, you know, and asked for people to check it out, people were, uh, really drawn to the, just the look of it, I think. And so I had a lot of offers. Um, yeah. and then I really tried to, um, choose, choose reviewers that were across a really broad range of media. So, um, I did sent them to people who did podcasts, uh, YouTube, Instagram, um, Twitter, like people who are kind of all across the different kinds of media, blogs also. Um, yeah, so by um, interacting with them and them doing your game, they're just, I, I believe the term people use for them is called influencers because uh, because right. of all the following they have, they have like a reach of 2,000 to 20,000 people. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. that got you some attention. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful. Um, I had read somewhere that some 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 sales thing that if people see um something they have to see it seven times or something to trust the product right um, yeah. and i think that's a really big deal and I, I think something that really stood out to me from one of the kickstarter groups i was in is people who had started a campaign and they would come in and say my campaign isn't funding i don't know why what did i do wrong um the number one comment that would come up over and over and over again is i've never heard of your game before today And so I thought that definitely stuck with me as kind of like, this is the one mistake I don't want to make. I want to make sure that people have seen it. They've heard about it. Um, So, yeah, getting it into as many hands as possible was definitely my approach. Great. And and like you said, you also had the free print and play option. And so because your game is relatively small, uh, that's really easy for somebody to do a PNP. Whereas if you had a massive campaign game with miniatures and whatnot, that's a bit harder to do. Absolutely. And I definitely think it's very helpful to start with uh, a much smaller game just because, like like you said, it's easier to get people to test it. Um, and then, yeah, just all the logistics become that much simpler if it's it's a small game. Excellent. Yeah. And um, throughout your campaign, I know that you had a pretty active following. So uh, any one of the things that helps with the Kickstarter being liked or being a magic category or however, whatever phrase they use for them, because <laughs> uh, 
but you get seen on there. And your campaign actually had 766 comments and over 2,000 backers. So were you involved heavily with talking back and forth with backers? Or was that something that you kind of looked into from time to time? Oh, definitely during the campaign, I was like 100% on it, um, trying to keep up with everything. And I actually really, really enjoyed um, that whole process. Uh, and I was really fortunate to have really, really nice backers. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, I know I've seen like some campaigns where, uh, you know, they can give people a hard time. I don't know if it was because I was a first time creator or um, just because I was super friendly, but everybody was really, really nice to me. And uh, so I really enjoyed getting to know people and I had so many people just come on like when I would pass a stretch goal or you know <clears throat> some kind of milestone and, and they'd just cheer me on so that was super fun I've been less involved since uh we started with the fulfillment process because that's just not my area um Zafti's handling that so I've kind of just had to stand back a little bit but uh I'm definitely really eagerly excited for everybody to get their copy and uh, yeah can't wait to see people sharing about it so oh and i'm, I'm sure they will because it's very uh, photogenic when, when they get it on the tabletop at the right angles so i've seen that yeah i love seeing people's pictures of it <laughs> <laughs> then you know it's being played yes uh, and so also like you mentioned that you did reach out to previewers and reviewers and you had 25 games sent out so that did result in you having two videos on your initial page and eight quoted reviews so um, any other feedback you want to give on new creators trying to reach out to those people um, yeah, I, I think I've answered this question probably before, but uh, I think it's important that um, I think it it's it's good to look at, you know, the number of followers that someone has. But I think the two other factors that are equally important are, you know, do you actually like their content? Do they do a good job? Um, and sometimes that's more important than the follower count because, you know, you don't want to present something that's sort of sloppy or you know just because they've been doing it forever and they don't care anymore <laughs> sometimes like <laughs> yeah. the newer guys are like really put out really awesome stuff because they're you know super motivated and um and then the other thing is people who are enthusiastic about it you know like I had a lot of people uh get in touch and wanted to review it but I I really waited the the ones that were like I so want to play your game <laughs> you know like we're really <laughs> excited about it um, yeah, because they're they're just going to come at it with a little bit more passion and, and more excitement to share it and things like that. So way to build yeah. anticipation that works. Yeah, for sure. All right. And uh, you already mentioned you didn't have to pay for any reviews. So that's fantastic. There are many reviewers out there that just do it for their own entertainment or just building their own fan base without actually having to uh, pay them. And then there's other ones like uh, there's Dice Tower and there's. Um, tantrum where you do have to pay a significant amount and obviously you avoided those ones and yeah it and it, oh sorry no go ahead i dropped my headphone for a second there, so oh. <laughs> I, I think i interrupted you a bit no worries yeah so uh, i i didn't um i didn't pay for anything um there were I, I don't even remember if anybody that i talked to asked for payment i think maybe there was one or two um and i was like cool but you know I just didn't have the budget at all I was you know just down to the wire so yeah um yeah but I I was really really lucky with the reviewers that I did have um just were phenomenal people to work with and uh yeah 
if you ever want to know good ones to work with, just go to my page and work <laughs> with those people because they're all great. <laughs> yeah, and you've actually had a number of videos show up after your Kickstarter. So people that have gotten the game since, like uh, I think John Gets Games or there's another one that you posted the other day about uh, five things I like and one thing I don't. And those are entertaining videos after the fact to keep spreading word of mouth while the game is in its production phase. Uh, yeah, we've got kind of a... We've kind of got like a second round of review copies um, going out. Uh, we we gave some out at uh, PAX Unplugged, which was uh, last, well, yeah, last month. <laughs> so yeah, a couple of those came out. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you saw. We had a video from Tom Basil reviewed it, um, and we actually yeah, you got were in the top ten solo, weren't you? Was I? I well, I can't remember. I thought as. I don't know if it was a top 10, but you were definitely in the, some of the best solo games of 2019 on somebody's video. There's so oh, many. I'm going to have to check it. That. Um, yeah, so we got the Dice Tower seal of approval, which was really awesome and exciting, uh, especially because Tom's not really a solo gamer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he was really uh, super nice when I met him in, uh, at PAX. So yeah, a lot of, lot of exciting nice things going like on. Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, you have proven that you have what it takes to think of a product, to create it, to share it, to fund it, and uh, right now even delivering it. So that alone is a great accomplishment and quite an inspiration to others who want to share things in the world. And I know one of the things that's come up in some of the different uh, posts and threads uh, is about female game designers. So um, without going too far into that, do, do you feel that there was any difference in what you tried to do compared to what um, others have done, just knowing that from a female perspective? Um, that's a great question. Of course, I have nothing to prepare uh, to compare it to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say that my experience has been extremely positive. Um, I, I think, if anything, probably being a female designer maybe made my, my project a little bit more visible just because you don't see a lot of um, women sort of independently publishing games. Um, yeah. So th I, I think that that probably gave, helped me gain awareness for the game just because it's, it was noticed. Um, but also, I would say that um, the treatment that I've had from really everybody has been so respectful and so kind. Um, when I, I did my first booth at uh, Shucks in uh, Vancouver, I had um, Lynn Vander Games on one side and wolf designer on the other all a bunch of guys and uh they were just so great they were super helpful lent me a battery charger <laughs> you know um and and everybody's been like that they've just been really really cool so yeah in general it's probably one of the most open and friendly types of if you want to call it a business that i've ever been in i mean i've been in retail all my life but uh, just dipping into game design as a hobby but also as a way to build an own independent business um, I've never seen something that's so willing to share ideas and review ideas without being too critical or um, try to take advantage of you. So that's one of the cool things about being in this little world. It's not very uh, profitable in most cases unless you have a, <laughs> a super hit that can go on through repeat production. But at the same time, it's worth it just to be in that kind of uh, more positive atmosphere instead of some of the more brutal businesses out there. I actually agree. I mean, I've said this before that photography um, 
is, you know, when you're doing portrait photography, it's a local business and it's very, very cutthroat because you're competing over clients. And I have always hated that. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I have photographer friends, but none of them are local. <laughs> so we're, uh, they're all like spread out. Um, so we have like a Facebook group. Yeah. So that works out. But um, yeah, it's really hard to find that kind of community when you're sort of directly in competition with each other. And I think game design is awesome in that way because it's never like my game versus your game. Like people can have both. And, uh, and so I think that is a big part of why people, um, you know, are, are so helpful to each other because you know, you're know you looking to help others succeed because the more the industry has cool things in it, right. The more, the more people are going to be drawn to that and, and it's just good for everyone. I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and it, even if you look like any, any single week that you look at Kickstarter, it's absolutely astounding. Not only how many games there are, but how many games there are that, you know, there's games that just wanted 5,000 and raised 10,000, but then there's games that wanted 50,000 and raised 2 million. It's unreal. Um, yeah, I think it's unbelievable. Now, there's, there's four campaigns live right now that I think are, are over 500,000. Uh, so it, there's room for everybody out there. And I think that's why it's still not cutthroat because um, if it was a different kind of business where there wasn't that kind of room, then I think it would get a lot worse, a lot faster. Yeah, probably for sure. Now, if there's something that you want to be remembered for in this hobby, now that you kind of broken in with Cristallo, what do you think it would be? Oh gosh. Well, from a, from a game design perspective, obviously the, the hope that everybody has is to make games that, you know, are still being played many years from now. Um, and I, I definitely want to um, try to bring something different that, you know, isn't, uh, I guess, I'm hoping that I can bring something that surprises people. I feel like Cristallo uh, was a surprise to people, and that's probably what I'm most proud of. Uh, and and now I guess the challenge is going to be to <laughs> you know, follow that up with, with things that continue to um, be different and and new. So. Yeah, yeah and then as far as outside of the design part, actually, I would like to just be known as someone that, you know, is easy to talk to and, and friendly and approachable and, and hopefully helpful because I had so much help from so many people and um, I definitely want to give back as far as that goes. Yeah, it, it goes a long way if people can see that you're open, outgoing and willing to share, then uh, you're almost more like a friend in the business instead of just a, a shadow behind a business. Oh, yeah, I definitely That's would great. rather be the friend. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I mean, like you said about your game, when it comes to uniqueness, when I played your game, I did it through Tabletop Simulator. Uh, but um, the fact that there's almost three concepts that went through my head as I was playing the first time, it took me a while to figure it out. The second time I played it, it was like trying to understand that, yes, I need to accomplish this goal. But then I got all these rewards that could give me perks at the end of the game. But then at the end of the game, I got to fight this weird dragon and I've never done that. So that was neat how you incorporated <laughs> three different ways that will influence the game into a single solo game and i think that's part of why it was so why i won that that award is because um it wasn't just to get a certain amount of points um it's a it's the fact that you had to do it in a certain way so uh, definitely kudos on you for inventing that creative solo method oh thank you <laughs> uh, so maybe a, a few less or actually um talking about projects for the future then do you have something that you have behind the scenes right now or something that's going to launch this year or next year yeah, so um, actually, as of PAX Unplugged, um, I've started working on um, some 
expansion content for Cristalla, yep. um, which I haven't really talked about yet. <laughs> um, I guess you got the scoop. So, um, yeah, that's definitely only, only divulge what is... you're allowed. I don't want to break any confidentiality agreements. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Um, yeah, so that's definitely in the in the works right now. Um, got some a uh, couple different concepts that we're working on, and uh, I'm really really excited about it. And uh, of course, still uh, working on just getting started on the artwork for that. Um, so yeah. I have a long long ways to go still but um we're looking at maybe springtime springtime yep. for uh taking that to kickstarter so yeah something to look forward to yeah. you normally do early promotion like showing off images and stuff on a facebook group or on your lightheart games website or anything uh yeah so once once i have uh some artwork and and prototype stuff to share uh you'll definitely start seeing some previews of what we've got in store so i'm really really excited about that and yeah so if anybody's listening and wants to to see what she's up to then definitely log i'll put a couple links in the show notes here and you can try to follow alongside and see what is coming to cristallo or other projects that liberty has going on yeah great and do you, do you play a lot of games just up on your own or with the family or is uh, gaming more of a solo thing for you um you know, I, I really was not even aware that there was like a hobby game scene uh, until I was already in it. Um, I'd always enjoyed board games and stuff as a kid, but, you know, kind of played the standard ones. And um, I think I had played like Catan, which I'm actually not a big fan of. Um, no, I, I played that just uh, on the weekend. And you know what? I got robbed basically every turn of the game and I uh, felt very belittled. Oh, <laughs> so, no. yeah, I, I can see the negative side of Catan quick, but there's a lot of thinking in it, but it can be a uh, yeah. some- for me it's the it's the i'm never that interested in other people's turns so i just get bored (laughs) i think i have kind of a short attention span actually um but so i've just started playing some you know i've been acquiring things uh as i'm learning about you know what kind of games are out there and i've had like this mile-long wish list um so i've backed a few things on kickstarter and i just recently bought two games for my family that have been on my wish list for quite a while. One was Dixit, which um, was a huge hit with my girls. They loved it. Is and that a deck builder? Or? No, Dixit is um, it's a kind of an imaginative storytelling type game where you have these cards that have this beautiful artwork on them, but they're kind of strange. Yeah. And so you basically, the active player um, says some kind of clue to that card and then everybody else looks at their cards and picks one they think also fits that clue and then you're trying to guess which one is the right one so it's really open-ended it's really creative um and we had a lot of fun with that even my seven-year-old was like had the attention span for that one so that was really cool and even the adults really liked it yeah so uh, and then i got the captain is dead which is by jt smith um and that's like a Star Trek themed cooperative, really like thinky, strategic <laughs> um, game that only my oldest, my oldest is uh, almost 13 and my husband and I um, really could play, but we had so much fun with it. So that's, that's kind of along the lines of co-op on the line, same lines as Pandemic type of thing. Yeah, I've heard so many good things about Pandemic. I've not played it. I actually gifted it to my brother for Christmas, my brother and his <laughs> wife. 
because uh, I had heard so many good things. But um, yeah, we went with the Star Trek themed one. in the game than a pandemic will do it. But I'm sure I think because I thought I, I heard something about pandemic and Captain and the Captain is Dead having some similarities. So okay, that's cool that you like that one. Yeah, it's definitely tense, and we're like a Star Trek nerd family. Like we all watch Star Trek all the time, so. Uh, it was perfectly themed for us. <laughs> yeah, I've watched every episode of the original and uh, Next Generation, but after that I faded out, so I think you're more hardcore than I am. Well, that the original is the only one we don't watch. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but we watch it to go to bed, and like we tried it with the original one. Uh, you would think that that would be very soothing, but it actually has like this the most not sleep-friendly music. It's very like, bom, bom, bom. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a lot of beeps in it, too. The, the ship is always beeping about something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we couldn't do that one, but we watch all the other ones. Um, There's one other game I think you've mentioned a few times, and it's called Star Realms. Now, I haven't played that, but I've I've heard great things about it. And it, um, Is that kind of an inspiration of making another game for you one day, or is that just something you enjoy for entertainment value? Uh, well, Star Realms has been kind of mind-blowing for me, because uh, I've never played a deck builder and um i would have never like approached this game at all because it looks so serious <laughs> like it's got the <laughs> it just looks hard it looks complicated um but a friend of mine uh you know that i've made through gaming um you know talked me into trying it and i've been absolutely hooked on it there's a really great app um which is how i mostly play it i did pick up a physical copy at pax unplugged which is cool and it's a little bit different experience because it takes longer <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, We've got to shuffle the cards now. What? <laughs> but the cards are beautiful. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's such a smart game. It's so well balanced. Um, and the game is really quick. When you play it on the app, it's like 10, 15 minutes yeah. per match. Um, and every single one is different. Like, I don't know how, with such a simple, like, core idea, you can still constantly be surprised. I've played hundreds of games. And, um, you know, you can match up against random opponents online and depending on who you're playing, they, they go at it a totally different way and can throw you off balance and you just, you never know what a match is going to be like. So I think it's totally brilliant and I wish I designed it and I hope someday <laughs> I can do something as good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's some good praise for that game. And like I said, I, I think I, I think I tried a free version of the app because the app, I think you can play part of it for free or is the whole thing free? Uh, I do think you have to pay if you want to play, like, if you want to play online, which I would definitely recommend because okay. you can play like a campaign or something, yeah. but okay. yeah. That's cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Liberty. I hope your Kickstarter journey with Cristallo and our discussion about it and kind of some of the ways that uh, you came about it helps inspire and educate some of the other creators out there to keep working and trying to make their ideas turn into reality. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and for those of you that are listening to this podcast, if there's one thing you could do to encourage and motivate other Kickstarter journeys like this one, just take a minute and a dollar or two and support a project that catches your eye today. We might not be able to buy all the cool things we see, but that little bit helps pad their bottom line and helps keeping their project moving in the right direction. And uh, feel free to subscribe or follow and continue to hear some of these other Kickstarter journeys. I've had some great guests already and look forward to seeing some more in the future. And thanks again, Liberty. Thank you.